This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our show in which we talk to some fantastic people in the world of the Arsenal. And today I'm joined uh, by an equally fantastic guest. I'm joined by James Benj of CBS. How are you doing, mate? You good? You well? Hi, Tommy. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, we're just talking off air about how kind of crazy the start of the the window has been. It was a manic end to the season and we've not really been given much reprieve, have we, uh, in this period of time? I feel like there was one Sunday two weeks ago that was really eerily quiet. No, Love Island was on. It weren't quiet, you know. So, <laughs> so I, I dropped Love Island for a while, but picked it back up for Casa Amor. Yeah. Um, we'll give it a couple of weeks. And then, you know, when it gets to the, like, you know, the stage where all the couples are set in stone, I'll check mm. out again. Yeah. It's not even had that weekend, night in, night out to pass the time. No, of course. No, it's been it's actually been one of the better series. So much so that our listeners are now so annoyed with me keeping keeping on bringing it up with our guests that you know we're going to start them seeing them drop out. But uh, there's too much Arsenal going on to learn about for them to drop out today because the last this week, in fact, you know, it's been a very big week for Arsenal. Uh, we'll start with the headline act, which of course is is Declan Rice. Uh, we talked yesterday to to Jacob Steinberg of the Garden actually on our breakdown show about this and. I asked him whether this is the biggest signing in potentially the next decade for Arsenal. Do you? How do you kind of put it as a on the pantheon of of Arsenal transfers? Oh, in the next decade is is interesting. I guess mm. I can't read the future, uh, and I would say kind of you know, Arsenal are so so well run at the moment and are such an attractive proposition that the last thing I want to do is sort of rule out them doing something spectacular in the years to come if they keep developing. But certainly, you know, and I wrote this in my piece, I, I would certainly say since Sol Campbell turned up in 2002, there hasn't been a more profound addition to the Arsenal squad. Um, I know this is on YouTube, and that means there are people on here that will want to shout the words Mesa Ozil at me. Um, <laughs> great signing, really did herald a new moment, but um, 
kind of reflected a team that was only good enough to take the scraps off the best teams tables. Well, you know, this is Arsenal coming along and eating Manchester City's lunch. You know, say what you want. City wanted to sign Declan Rice. Mm. Um, they had a price and obviously that price was was lower than the price Arsenal went to. But, you know, Arsenal just stood firm, did their groundwork over six plus months, convinced the best young midf- midfielder in the Premier League, depending on your definition of young, to sign for them. Um <laughs> You know, I think this is a, a a profound, significant. I mean, I was also checking; it's the first time Arsenal have broken the uh, have have been the club breaking the British transfer record in over fifty years oh. since Alan Ball. So, even just from a purely statistical point of view, yeah, the last time December nineteen seventy one, Alan Ball from Everton to Arsenal for two hundred and twenty grand, and now they're dropping one hundred and five million. I mean, actually, I don't think it'll be the British transfer. You know, the British player transfer record. Um, yeah, not bad, is it? Have they overpaid? No. I, it's the going... It, it, it is sort of, to an extent, the going rate for a, a superstar. Um, and I suppose, look, you know, money does become a little bit unmoored from from reality at these days. But if, if I were spending £105 million, what would I want? Well, I'd want, you know, a player that can do a lot of everything. We know Rice is a top tackler. He's a great ball carrier. If you start looking at his stats, the passing has improved significantly over the last two, three seasons. Um, I'd want someone with character, with leadership quality. And, you know, researching the piece I did on Declan Rice last week, I spoke to about half a dozen people that had worked with him at West Ham. Mm. And, you know, there's that strange thing where sort of, I mean, as you, as you know, Tom, you, you sometimes go to ex-coaches and they don't, you know, they oh, I don't really want to talk about that. You know, I don't want to put my, you know, put my name out there or chat off the record. Everyone wanted to talk to you about Declan Rice and tell you how good a person he is, how smart a player he is, um, and just how hard he's worked from from day one. He's a he's a role model, I think, for young footballers. Um, natural talent, natural footballing intelligence, charisma, leadership, uh, and he's twenty four years old. Uh, I, I I do really try not to get carried away with with Arsenal transfers. I know that we live in an a, a media age now where. Every new signing, it has to be like, you know, we have to tell fans why this is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, mm. But in the case of Declan Rice, I actually just sincerely believe it. Uh, he is the best signing I think Arsenal could have made, even ahead of someone like Caicedo. I, I think he's wonderful. Um, mm. excited to see him in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, I was at Union Chapel for the uh, Ask Blog Live podcast, and they asked the question, who would be the biggest signing, Caicedo or, or Rice? And they all agreed, Rice, and I sat in the crowd certainly thinking that that was the case. It just has something extra about that that deal. It, it, it's nothing to me that doesn't say anything other than game-changer with Declan Rice. I thought Caicedo's a fantastic player, you know, and if it wasn't Rice, I would have hoped that maybe he would mm. have been the, the alternative to him. But... Missing out on Rice would have, I felt, just been such a big blow. When you said about what can you get for 105 million quid, I was going to make a joke about having 105 million Freddos, but the way in which inflation's gone, I'm not sure you'd get that many these days. So uh, (laughs) it's it's difficult to imagine what players are worth realistically. I think with 105 million curly whirlies, you could recreate the size of one curly whirly from your childhood. (laughs) Can you get 
yeah, I wonder how much that weighs, 105. But someone in the chat box can work it out for us. If you can Google while we're talking, I'd love to know the answer, how much they weigh. Um, or just the weight of Declan Rice and Curly Whirlies. That'd be a great thing to, to work out. But uh, oh, this is coming from somebody who's supposed to be having a meeting with a PT later on this evening to try and lose some weight. But, you know, it is what it is. But when it comes to uh, kind of the, the, the work and the financials and where prices of players are, are going, not just um, confectionery, uh, I think that what we're seeing, obviously, is is a massive inflation. Chelsea were blamed a lot for that in in recent seasons with the Enzo Fernandez, and um, you know, are Arsenal now indulging in that same inflation? Do you think with this deal? Is it a, if you can't beat them, join them? Is that what Arsenal have well, to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, deals like. Enzo Fernandez and Jude Bellingham. I and mean, we should say Bellingham will, will be the most expensive British footballer if all his clauses, if he fulfills all of them with Real Madrid, I think it'll be 115 million then. Um, mm. You know, that, I, I think those three are players of a level. I, I mean, I think Bellingham might be somewhat superior, but I don't necessarily think that Arsenal, like there is anything Arsenal can do about it once the market is set. And it, to to a significant extent by Chelsea, but I mean, you know, I mean, we talk about this rampant inflation. It's not that long; it was quite a while ago that United were spending ninety million pounds on Paul Pogba. Um, mm. And when I sort of said it against that, I don't worry too much about the fee for Arsenal in that I know how he fits into this team. That he will be he will be worth it. You know, if I'm if I'm getting someone on a five five year deal at 200 grand a week, but they're delivering over five, eight years at least, I would think has got to be the aim. You've got to hope you get the best out of him until he's 32. A hundred million then, 12 and a half million a year. If you, you know, if you think about it like that, I can live with that. Look, it all matters. You know, in the end, it all, it's all dictated by how good the player is. Mikhailo Mudrik is a, you know, is a spectacular way to waste oh. 80, 90 million. But if yeah. he'd been good, you know, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say that. I mean, we all suspected he might not be good. Declan Rice is a really good player, you know, and he's probably the best player that was available for that position at all for Arsenal. West Ham knew that. They didn't They didn't have to sell. I know there's all this talk about FFP watch lists. Like, they needed to trim back. They need to be sensible in how they were managing their squad, but they didn't have to sell Rice. They just wouldn't have got any more money any further on down the line. So... Mm. that is just it's just what you've got to pay i know that's i know that's boring i know we've got to sensationalize <laughs> this and say that arsenal were robbed or that arsenal have got the bargain of the century but they paid about the right price for the best player that they could get yeah uh rolls as i see rice as a natural successor to gerard and lampard uh, in england's team drew belling was a natural talent but i don't think he is the captain mentality yet that i um, completely agree with I think that that's the really important point about Rice. And I think that's something he's been really conscious of and has worked to develop, develop himself as a leader. Mm. I mean, obviously, if you're, you know, if you've been at West Ham since 17, you're, and everyone's talking about you as the successor to Mark Noble, you, he knew the captaincy was coming and he worked really hard in much the same way that he worked really hard on like being able to pass the ball a bit better. Um, mm. Like, that's the exciting part of Rice is he's now about to get some elite coaching. I really like David Moyes, but you know what I mean? Um, he's getting elite <laughs> coaching, elite teammates, yeah. and uh, the sky could well be the limit. Mm. I, 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 it's such an interesting 
exciting piece of business by Arsenal to just kind of take a window by the scruff of the neck and go, no, Man City, you're not having him. We're having him. And, you know, we're going to grab him <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to pay the money to blow you out the water, not the other way around, which is quite a nice dynamic. Uh, if not somewhat, it's scary in some ways to see what Arsenal might be capable of or not capable of in the future. Uh, thank you, Laurie, for working out our question, by the way. 2.7 million kilos is what a, a curly whirly uh, is worth for that amount of money. So there you go. Um, the other signing, of course, uh, agreed today fully with Ajax is Urian Timber. Do you feel like this is a signing that if Rice was already at Arsenal, let's say, let's say they'd signed Rice and Havertz last summer and they were going for a number one defender, that this deal would be getting... It seems like a silly question now I'm saying it out loud, but do you feel like this deal would be getting maybe the praise that it deserves? Because I think he's a brilliant talent. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think there are, there are questions you have to ask about timber and his sort of physical shortcomings i think that that's the only thing that hangs over over this deal for me because he's a he's a natural fit stylistically on the ball for what arsenal need and i i love what this gives arteta in terms of how he sets up the team you know everyone's talked about timber inverting from right back and i believe he's done that before for ajax on occasion he certainly played it right back under ten Hag, i think mm. um but also Timber can play in the back too, with next to Gabriel, next to Saliba, whoever, and step out into midfield. Timber can invert from one flank, and Zinchenko can invert from the other. It, it's optionality and, and technical quality, and those are quite hard to find. I think in someone that can plug the centre back and full back positions. I think the fact that Pepper's done it so well with his squad makes people think that there are maybe more natural centre-back, right-back, left-back hybrids than there are. And I don't think there are that many at all um, on the market. Uh, and Arsenal picked up a good one. It's a it's a really decent fee to end up paying. I think that's the one thing that, that shines through for me. You know, Ajax were early on, we're talking about sort of 60 million euros, I think, uh, 60 million pounds. I think Arsenal will euros, end up getting this done yeah. for about 43 was what I heard. I know there's a little bit of variation there, depending on where you get your figures from. But I think 43 to 45 all in is it's good money when when Europe knows that Arsenal have quite a lot of funds to play with. Um, I like it. Look, I've watched some of him on Wisecout. I can't I can't claim to be an expert, but uh, yeah. I think what I more like is is what he offers, or what a player like him that archetype offers Arteta in terms of how he can change his build-up. It was so, the build-up was really reliant on Zinchenko last season. Not entirely, mm. you know. I think people forget or didn't appreciate that Ben White was a really strong overlapping fullback as well as someone that sat in midfield or dropped into the into the three in defence. But I think just different ways that you can start the attack means different ways that the ball gets to Saka, gets to Martinelli, gets to Erdegaard. And if your opponents can't plan for how you're getting the ball into the middle third, into the final third, it becomes really difficult for them to set a defence that can that can quell Arsenal's pretty incredible front five, front six, however many it will be. Yeah, I think that's the key thing you said about kind of the option. You know, Arteta has, has really felt a little bit limited at times last season with the options that he had if he wanted to change things or if there was injuries and someone had to come in. This season coming... 
the variation that Arteta is going to have to choose from. So I'm excited to see that and, and what lineups we see and what competitions and how he rotates things. Are you confident that Arteta can do that? I feel like that's the one question that we really still have with Arteta is the can this guy rotate like his mentor did and does for Man City? Uh, no, I'm not confident on that um, mm-hmm. because, look, there were good players last season that didn't get a look in at all. I mean, you know, the obvious example of this is Smith Rowe, um, mm. but there are there have been others this season and the or last season and the season before that you sort of sat sit there thinking he could do a real job for you, Mikel. This guy, I mean, Enketia late in the season as well was was just not getting the minutes that he needed to then make an impact when he has to be sort of thrown on as this smash glass in case of emergency forward. Um, and it has got harder it will, and will get harder for Arteta to rotate with Champions League football, meaning, you know, you've got to play something approximating your best team every three or four days. Uh, I don't have like, confidence in it. I have confidence that Arteta has been largely given a squad that should allow him to do that. And I think, you know, it was fair to say last season that maybe Arteta ran a squad of sort of 14, 15 when mm. he could have run a squad of 17 to 18. Like now that squad is a lot deeper. So he can, he can freeze some players out and still have loads and loads of options. Um, I am still skeptical though. I, and I think the same thing with substitutes. How many mm. times has he changed the game off the bench? Now, Guardiola's been doing this an incredibly long time um, and you know had incredible depth at uh, Barcelona, at Bayern, to allow him to learn how to do that effectively. We've not really seen Arteta coaching, with the odd exception of last season, with a nine-man bench, nine bench where every single player can make a profound impact on on the game he he should have that this season and so for that reason like you've got to see you have to see it to see a sign of development in him as a coach Mm, absolutely he's still like i think we forget quite quick sometimes you know still how young the guy is as a coach how inexperienced he is he's taken arsenal from 11th when he took over to a title race in in just over three years And, and that's earned him a lot of credit um but he gets a lot of scrutiny which is fair because it's a club like Arsenal where you're going to get scrutiny you can't always kind of just be favorable just because of the inexperience of somebody because it was Arsenal's choice to employ you know him at the start of it so there is an expectation that he as a coach like his players will improve the longer he's here and you know based upon the improvement we've seen in such a short space of time there's hope that he will be able to adapt but I think it's fair to have those and that apprehension about that aspect of his uh, of his skill set in terms of like you know we've talked a lot about Havertz on the channel already and now we've covered Rice and, and Timber it doesn't feel like Arsenal are done um, which is an exciting thing um, you nearly needs to buy a new microphone then for a second yeah. <laughs> I thought it was gone <laughs> I thought it was going um, but uh, yeah I, are you because obviously I've reported today for Football London that the interest I've heard that the interest in Jeremy Frimpong is is there but that's that's a player that they like um, whether How they much really cost, yeah well there's um I wasn't able to get that side of things. The interest on Arsenal's side, I've heard, is is true. There were reports in Germany suggesting that Bayer Leverkusen would be looking for around 40 million euros, which I felt was very low 
to mm. be honest, uh, after eight goals and seven assists uh, in the Bundesliga from right back last season. Um, but right back looks to be an area that there is an openness to add some variation because obviously Timber coming in can play like the Zinchenko, if you like, on that side, but he's still not the... He's not known to be like a bomb up the wing, overlap sacker, get balls into the box, score goals. And Tommy Asu and White also, despite White developing his forward game significantly so last season, again, is not the type that you look at and go, he's going to bomb on forwards and overlap sacker in the same way that somebody of the profile of Frimpong. So do you feel as though right back seemingly could be somewhere? And are there any other positions that you think Arsenal still might look to, to bring players in? I'm sceptical on right back. Mm. To be honest, I just don't think it's, you know, you, you're right to sort of say Arsenal don't have that bomb on on the right flank type, but they had it on the left flank and they never really asked Kieran Tierney to do that. Mm. Um, I mean, if, you know, I, don't, I, have, I haven't done any reporting around Frimpong. Um, I know from, from Leverkusen's side, where possible, there is a real desire to to keep this team now that Xabi Alonso is committed to keep this team together for another year they really felt like they found something when Alonso took over um and you know can they turn that into something special before Diaby goes before Vitz goes before Frimpong goes um mm. but also I know like Frimpong would be relatively open I believe to a move um I would think though that if Frimpong came it would be as more of a right winger I mean if you look at his qualities if you look at how Alonso really exploited him Mm. Sorry, you've you unfortunately uh, come to the only Bayer Leverkusen expert in the English media. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit of, of stuff I love it. Me. Talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think if you if you look at those qualities, he's a you know he's a guy that gets in the penalty box. He's a guy that overlaps, like you say. He's a guy with excellent close control and um, a baffling ability to sort of be on hand when the ball breaks in the penalty area. Mm. To me, he sounds like more of a Saka uh, backup which is a very hard position to sell to anyone um, mm. than a right back. I, I, you know, I think in, in general, a lot of the other business that we might see from now on is, is kind of going to be a contingent on what offers come in for other players. I mean, you know, the, the, the defense is an intriguing one. I think if Tierney were to go and for like, correct me if I'm wrong, I've not really heard much. That, no, it's not very quiet. On that front. Very um, quiet. I don't think, you know, I don't think Arsenal are actively hawking him around. I think they're pretty, you know, if he's willing to stay, I think they'd be fairly relaxed about that. So I think a lot of this is going to be contingent on on who goes, what the, how much they go for as well. I mean, you know, if you can get your price tag for Balogun, if you sold on Nuno Tavares and Sambi Laconga for good money, you suddenly got a bit of cash to play around with. Um, mm. You know, Arsenal aren't, aren't short on it either anyway. So, yeah, in answer to your question, right back, I'm not sure. I think if I would, I, I mean, I, I think they should be looking to strengthen down that right flank. I can't see anything happening too soon after Timber. And mm. I still think Timber will play quite regularly as that inverted right back. Do you, so you think that Ben White's in for a bit of a... Well, I, I think the two yeah. will rotate. I think Timber is right. probably realistically, I'm sure he's coming in the hope of winning a starting spot. Ben White was sensational last season. Why would he I lose his place? It's the first time, I'm trying to think if there is anyone else, it's the first time that maybe Arteta's bought a player that could replace a player that he bought 
because if you think about yeah. everyone else in that team, they came in and replaced players that already existed in their roles. And Timber might be the first to come in and replace someone that was already bought. That said, Ben White wasn't bought as a right back when he first came in, to be fair, and has kind of transitioned to that side. So maybe Arteta is looking for the the perfect player, if you like, uh, for his what he see in his mind's eyes as what Arsenal's right back should be. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Partey leaving is that if that happens, do you feel like Arsenal would therefore need to go into the market again in central midfield? Oh, you just oh, sorry, I said it's something about Partey, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's suggestions you know that, that there's an openness from Arsenal that Partey could go hypothetically. If he if he did, do you think that Arsenal would certainly need to go back into the market, or do you feel as though Rice? Jorginho, Elneny is enough for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, certainly kind of what I was told around what I've heard uh, around Partey is that it, you know, for all the talk about open, um, for all the talk about the openness to let him go, that is only Mm. if a big, you know, impressive offer comes in. I don't think what, you know, I don't think a, a classic Juventus, can we loan him for three years and then buy him for nothing? <laughs> if that's what, I mean, yeah. I'm speculating that. I'm just saying, you know, I don't think that would be, Arsenal would be hammering down the door to accept that they're not in a rush to, to sell Partey. I, I think they're conscious that big money could come from Saudi Arabia. I mean, we have to sort of take a step, step back there. When I sort of initially reported the interest from Al Nasser, they hadn't gone in for Seiko Fafana. The fact mm. they've got Fafana and Brozovic, I, I don't know. I need to ask the question as to, like, I need to try and find out whether that means that they wouldn't still go for Partey. Um, certainly, you know, the, the rumblings I heard when Brozovic looked like stalling out was that that would prompt them to go full bore for Partey. And I've not heard mm. anything since Brozovic signed. Um, I have to be very careful because last time I had to correct people on Reddit who were because I wasn't happy with how they'd phrased everything, uh, which is <laughs> oh, people misquoting us. You must be crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, isn't it? You kind of have to accept that people want to talk about, it and that people think you know, especially when you're talking on like a podcast or a video or whatever, people mm. can't verbatim quote you, and you're not talking in a way that is verbatim quotable. Anyway, yes, on Partey, I don't really... At the moment, there's not kind of been any movement on the Saudi front now that Al Nasser have got Fafana. But if they were to sort of submit a big bid, Arsenal would absolutely consider that. But yes, it would be contingent on on finding a replacement as well, whoever that might be. 
I know this Romeo Lavia talk is really loud. Um, I'm I've not heard much that sort of really encourages me to believe that anything will happen on that front. I'm not like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't rule anything out because good reporters have said it, but I've not heard anything that sort of screams out Lavia's Lavia's next lads. Um, I think they will sort of assess the situation with Partey and and look to make that decision in the, in good time as early as possible. I think from a purely footballing perspective, I think they would be eminently willing to keep him around if Mm. no offer came along. And I'm sure you would agree that from a footballing perspective, he'd be a very useful player to have in the squad. Yeah. I mean, the idea to go into a Champions League season with both Rice and Partey, you know, um, is is certainly a competitive squad, you know, and a strength and depth of squad. You know, arguably Arsenal have two better deep midfield options that are bet- the, probably the best two in the league, you know, in, in that sense. You know, you look at Man City, you've got Rodri and Phillips there. And I'd certainly think that they, if they could, they'd probably swap those two for Partey and, and Rice as a pair. So, uh, yeah, I think that there is there's scope if that happens. And yeah, I th- on Lavia, you know, with the way in which I feel as though that the Partey saga might run, and I think it would run, I don't think it's one that we'll see a you know an early resolution to if he does go. I think it be more towards late July, early August if it happens that you might miss out on Lavia because there are other teams that are interested in him. Um, so he probably moved before Arsenal, you know, decided that they do want to move for Lavia. Um, where do you kind of see Arsenal then in the fulcrum of, of the Premier League standings for next season? Because, you know, actually, no, before I go to that, we did mention Saudi Arabia. Do you think Arsenal need to be worried about this? <laughs> I didn't want to touch on that quickly. No, not particularly. I mean, I don't really think that the Saudi Pro League is 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 go, is is in a position would even think of itself as in a position where it could challenge the Premier League in terms of quality in terms of, you know, eventually succeeding it as the number one league in the world. I think they would look mm. at it and say that spot just below the Premier League is is really open right now for a league with finances. Um and to an extent, I think there will be a challenge with uh, certain players. Like we've seen this with with Andre Onana, Al Nasser have, have taken the view of we'll make a play at him. We'll, we'll see what happens before we take your goalkeeper off you, Manchester United. We'll try and beat you to the goalkeeper you want. Mm. Um, I don't particularly think you know. I don't think if if Declan, this Declan Rice situation was happening now, I don't really think Saudi clubs would be would be vying for him. I guess the point of frustration for Arsenal is that Saudi money right now seems very willing to solve some of the mistakes that that clubs such as Chelsea, uh, and it isn't just Chelsea, but Chelsea's the leading example. I think I can understand why Arsenal fans are annoyed that Bowley and, and company have, have managed to clear up their wage bill to an extent by quite aggressively shifting their players to to Saudi Arabia. They didn't do anything wrong. There's no like hidden agenda here. It's just frustration that that one of your great rivals isn't paying the best part of a million pounds a week more because they massively messed up last summer. Mm. Yeah, Uh, it's it will be interesting to see kind of if players, like you said, Arnano is a great example. If say 
they're able to get hold of him before Man United. That's a bit of a, a touchstone moment, if you like, in a window. So that would be interesting because so far it's been like, you know, players that would make that move and have, have, will benefit from that move. And I've never had any begrudging thoughts about players, you know, taking ridiculous salaries that will, mm. you know, double, triple, quadruple, you know. I, th- I think I saw a story, is it... Someone moved from Wigan to the second tier of Saudi football yesterday. I think I saw. Um, I, don't know, I know. I know. I'm, I know. It seems like I'm writing about every single Saudi story, but I did miss that one. <laughs> My go-to on Saudi stuff now. I, you know, I'm sure I saw. I mean, look, you know, it's, for, there were for Fana if he wanted to leave Lons, there were options in Europe. Brozovic as well. Yeah. It, it, it will happen sooner rather than later. And look, you know. It, Every Manchester United fan in the world, when I reported the Anana stuff, was telling me, oh, yeah, but he'll, he'll definitely, he won't come. And I sort of wanted to say to them, yeah, you know, I was telling people in Saudi Arabia that Ronaldo wouldn't come and that Benzema wouldn't come and that Kante wouldn't come. And eventually, I kind of had to conclude that, and that Ruben Neves wouldn't come. Eventually, mm. I had to conclude that, like, there's some pull. That money has a real pull. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, it was Max Power uh, from Wigan oh, who... Uh, uh, he's gone to Saudi Arabian outfit Al Kadsia uh, in the second tier. Uh, he was being targeted by Wrexham and has instead chosen to move to Saudi Arabia instead. So apparently, Anything Saudi Arabia is more attractive than Reynolds. <laughs> Say again, sorry. Any bad news for Wrexham is like proper. Oh, are you not a fan of the project? I know a couple of people that you you'd get on well with. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, frankly, I think that that as much as I love uh, Ryan McElhenney. Um, and the always sunny crew. Uh, I hate Rex. I've always hated Wrexham. I was brought up a Shrewsbury Town fan, so um, I really want everything to go wrong for them. Fair enough. That makes complete sense. Um, <laughs> in re- as I'll go back to the question I was going to ask before we got off that tangent. We've seen what we've seen a bit of what Chelsea are doing. We're seeing what Man United are kind of doing. Spurs as well with Ange Postecoglou coming in. Um, Liverpool strengthening Zoboslai, a personal favourite of mine that I'm really struggling to see in a Liverpool shirt. Um, Matt Callister coming in. They're targeting Lavia too. Man City, you know, are, are looking to bring in a, another 100 million player in, in Cavadio and and probably will strengthen elsewhere too. How do you think Arsenal's business has set them up to take on the 23-24 Premier League season? Well, I mean, I'm I'm always of the view and will remain of the view that uh, City are such prohibitive favourites that it isn't realistic to even expect anyone to push them as close as Liverpool have. I wouldn't say as close as Arsenal did in the end, but, you know, as certainly as close <laughs> as Liverpool have, you will have to get everything right. Um, and maybe a bit... I have a few questions as to whether Arsenal have done that, in particular with Havertz, if he's going into mm. the eleven. Um <laughs> So I, I think City are, are streaking ahead. I like Liverpool's business. Obviously, Klopp is, is going to be adjusting things next season to get Trent Alexander-Arnold into a more central role. Uh, but I I think Arsenal have have stepped on well enough that you have to think of them as as second. And, and look, maybe until Pep goes, all you can really do is position yourself so that if something goes wrong, if the injuries hit, if they're just not in the mood, you know, who knows what, what next season early on will be like in the afterglow of the treble, that you are the team that can step in and steal something. And I think Arsenal have positioned themselves like that. I know that that feels rubbish and like oh. Arsenal um, deserve more having done everything right than just to be like picking up the scraps from City's table, so to speak. 
Mm. But I don't really know what more you can do without having the uh, the wealth of a nation state behind you. The other thing I would say is I think there no one talks about it, and I do understand because Arteta has an iffy record in Europe, and these players haven't experienced it before. But um, I would say they're in the five, six teams most likely to win the Champions League. Yeah, I agree. It's really because because it's knockout football and it's obviously yeah. drawn. It's such an open, but it's why I always say the Premier League is far harder to win than the Champions League. Far harder. So it's, the Champions League is a really interesting thing. That what I would say is Arteta's record in Europe is deplorable. To be honest, not deplorable. It's not the semi final, but it is pretty bad. Um, so that's another thing on Arteta's shoulders that he needs to prove that he can do and get further in. But again, it is sometimes going to be a bit of a luck of the draw. Arsenal can end up in a group, you know, with some very very difficult teams. We'll have to wait and see. They could also have a very comfortable group um, and could get, you know, Man City in the what in the quarterfinals potentially you know and then obviously you're, you're, like they got Man City in the fourth round of the FA Cup last season so it's it can go bad for you very quickly I, I kind of want off the back of that I often say you know to anyone that's like you know Arsenal have to win a trophy minimum that's the minimum expectation I say look well who are your favorites for each of the four competitions next season and if the answer isn't Man City you're wrong that's just that's just how it goes they are the favorites for every competition they enter so what does success look like for Arsenal for you next season I missed, again, my, my connection. Sorry. Sorry what does success look like for Arsenal for you next season? Yeah, like you say, it, just being just being there, put positioning yourself so that if something goes wrong for the prohibitive favourite in all four of their competitions, that they can snatch it up. I mean, I would say if they finish second... I think that's a season well done and a nice deep run into the Champions League. To be honest, I think that's the one I'll really be keeping an eye on and, and judging mm. them by. I would like, yeah, everyone would like to see them win a trophy, but I don't. Arsenal fans, do you, do you care about the EFL Cup? I know the FA Cup is very special and it would be great to win that. You never know how, how things will break. Like you say, luck of the draw, but um all I can, all I think you can ask of Arsenal right now is they position themselves to take any advantages that next season throws at them. I, I appreciate that's what's what you know that's a lack of ambition, I believe, isn't it? Because if I, if I'm more ambitious and you're more ambitious and the Arsenal press pack are more ambitious, that will change how um, that will change how Arsenal perform on the pitch. That's what I'm always told on Twitter when results are bad. Um, hmm. If only I, you know, if only I were more ambitious. But yeah, I'm sure you agree. It's um, yeah, it's just about maybe being getting yourself in a position where where you can exploit any lucky breaks that might come that your way. Yeah, the, the classic I'm always told is I need to raise my standards. Mm. Um, that's what I often get told. Um, but you know, it's uh, look Arsenal are a club where you know trophies is. I say there's a difference between the two words of expectation and aim. They are two different things. Mm. Arsenal will aim to win things but the expectation is to you know as you say take advantage of any potential slip-ups by Man City because for me that they were the second best team in the country last season and they can be up there with the top four five six teams in Europe next season if they play their cards right so let's hope that they do that we've got just over five minutes left I want to take some a quick questions from the chat box as well to throw to you James um Tom says, uh, as Brighton are keen on Balogun, should we offer them 50 million and some cash? Uh, sorry, 50 million and Balogun for Caicedo. It doesn't matter that Flo might not arguably be worth 50 million because Caicedo isn't a 100 million pound player either. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. And I really like the idea of Caicedo as 
as almost an eight that rotates with Havertz, um, mm. dependent on the game, dependent on the opponent. Uh, yeah, Brighton is keen. Um, who? I mean, I don't. I don't see those deal that sort of deal working out at all. Um, mm. Just the nature of these ultra complex swap deals. I don't. Frankly, you know, I asked the question and still no one can fully explain to me. I know that there'll be, you know, Brighton, I doubt, value him at... So Brighton would value Caicedo, at, I guess, at least 100. Of course, we can't know because yeah. Brighton have this amazing thing where they have these valuations that they don't publicly reveal. It's incredible. No one else does it. <laughs> yeah. um, but no doubt they value Balogun lower than Arsenal do and mm. and they value Caicedo probably higher than Arsenal do. And meeting in the middle becomes sort of extra complicated when you're doubling out the number of players you've got to negotiate over. I would like, if I were, I do, I'd, I'd pick up the phone and ask the question. Mm. Um, I know that, I mean, I know there are a lot of other teams looking at Paligan as well. Palace are one West Ham are another and mm. Arsenal have known about West Ham's interest. And I don't think his name was even mentioned in the, in the yeah. rice negotiations. I almost think that there's this, almost this self filling prof- prophecy around swap deals where people look at them and go no mm. we couldn't make that work even if we wanted to maybe they could <laughs> yeah I, I mean it, it would be just a case of they negotiate one transfer and then the other transfer be negotiated separately it wouldn't be you know, one or the other it seems but I like the idea Tom uh, I'm just going to throw one word at you because it's been talked about a lot and asked to me a lot I never have any information on this player that's probably because it it it, it doesn't exist um Chua many is what Peluso <laughs> says. What do you think? Uh, I asked around. I've not heard like anything convincing on that at all. Like Real Madrid are not in a position where they need to sell. They spent a huge amount of money on Aurelian Chua many. Like I can't square that circle. I appreciate that yeah. other people have reported it. Um, I hadn't heard it before. I haven't heard it since. Uh, you know, I, R- Madrid are not really like looking to to sell their their big midfield guys. And like, by the way, that they, they might end up parting way with with one of their older midfielders. As mm. much as Modric has signed a new contract, that Saudi interest in Modric hasn't gone anywhere. And I think, given give Madrid the choice between you know reluctantly cashing in on Modric. And reluctantly cashing in on Chiuameni, my suspicion is that Florentino Perez would sell the older guy. Mm. Yeah, I, I just I can't get my head around. You've got Cruz and Modric, of course, two aging centre midfielders, and then you've got Camavinga, Jude Bellingham, Valverde, and Chiuameni, who are arguably four of the best younger central midfielders in the world. Why <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense that they, they, the full, the quartet fits like a glove? Like it, it brings some bit of everything. Mm. Like Camavinga's no versatility, Valverde's versatility. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just for me, it doesn't make any sense why they would let him go. But we have to talk about it because it's being talked about. Um, Harper, thank you so much for the donation. Uh, between Cancelo, Frimpong, Fresneda, and Hendrik, um, which of the fullback prospects we've been linked to would you most like to see at Arsenal this summer? Uh, Fresneda, <laughs> yeah, mostly because, um, a bit younger, a bit different, like not someone that you immediately need to worry about um, blooding with the first team. I would, I'd kind of like look at that Cancelo link and, and say, why is City so keen to move on a player that was the best left back in the world for two years until very recently? Um, mm. 
yeah, I'm not. But as, as I say, I mean, I, frankly, like when I look at Arsenal's depth of fullback options at the moment with Tierney, like they have, they would have Timber, White, Tomiyasu, Tierney, Zinchenko. Um, why am I rushing to sign another fullback? And Brooke yeah. Norton Cuffey coming through as well. I'm sure he'll go out on loan this time, as well. Um, he's so talented. I, I would be thinking about what his pathway is to getting in the first team. Yeah, I've I watched a lot of Norton Cuffey at Coventry and Rotherham. And I spoke to a lot of people that watched him a lot. And, you know, the, the first word they said that he's a brilliantly talented kid. The second thing they always said was that he's still very raw. Yeah. And, yeah. You, know, you know, there's a lot of refining still needed in that. But the talent is there that's without a doubt he needs a loan to the championship in the next season that would be ideal i think um or a lower down the league premier league side that would be you know interesting if he was to play um christian says non-arsenal related but who do you guys think from the current crop of coaches would eventually replace pep guardiola is there a coach that would keep on that level or improve them i hope not <laughs> smiley oh, face everyone knows the answer to this don't they it's, it's Mikel Arteta, Arteta, isn't it <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, you, you, you know, let's say it's 2025 when his contract expires and I know that guys on the Manchester beat have reported he's he's out then. I mean, I think then a lot of it might depend on whether Arteta feels like his work is done at Arsenal. Maybe they've mm. won a Premier League title or a Champions League. And then, you know, frankly, I think a lot of Arsenal fans might say no hard feelings if he wants to sail off into the sunset. But um, aside from him... Spalletti, but he's he's a bit older. Yeah. Uh, Eric Ten Hag's quite good, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a wild one, but you kind of have to sort of say there are. It's very hard to find many coaches that are that are tested at the highest level and have done it across multiple clubs. Oh, yeah. Tuchel is another, but I think his. I mean, the, the, obviously, the other one that I've only just thought of um, is is Nagelsmann. Mm. But there's clearly, you know, I don't, I don't know this story at all well. But there's something off with a guy that keeps getting in position and, and being talked about as getting the PSG job, the Tottenham job, the Chelsea job, mm. and then something keeps stopping him from getting those jobs. Like I, I do not know what what has happened there with Nagelsmann this summer, but I think I'm sure someone does, and I'm intrigued to read it one day. Uh, the other one that came to mind, and it does depend on how he gets on in this new job, but Iriola at Bournemouth is one I think people should keep an eye on. Um, he was really good in Spain. Um, and, you know, I think that depending on how he does with Bournemouth, um, you know, people shouldn't sniff at that, see what Eddie Howe's yeah, done at Newcastle, you know. so Gary O'Neill didn't quite get Bournemouth relegated and therefore it was a disgrace to sack him. You've got to say it, mate. you got to say Honestly, it. Honestly, it's like West Ham fans. I have conversations saying that they want to keep David Moyes. I'm like, are you why? <laughs> like, uh, different there. Different. I love Moyes. Oh, go on. Let's have this debate then, because I'm sorry, but they should be going for a coach that can go and take Paqueta to a different level. You know, the, the, you know they should Moyes, not be Moyes, in a relegation battle. <laughs> I don't have to call him Moyes. I just like doing it. But he did. <laughs> I think there's this strange like West Hammy thing where everyone thinks of that window as a disaster because they tried to radically overhaul their squad and it didn't work within the space of five minutes. Um, like, I think you're going to see a really good West Ham next season. Um, mm. By all accounts, they're going to keep hold of Skamaka, who is the perfect Moyes striker, tall, mobile, strong, um, and maybe just needed a year to settle. 
Paqueta was coming on leaps and bounds. Honestly, I think he was in the three or four best midfielders in the Premier League, if you kind of just look at the last few months of the season. Mm. Um, I actually also think that, that losing Declan Rice might be... I mean, it's not a good thing. Oh, this is going to be a big hot take. Go on. <laughs> but I, the one thing I would say is, is Rice was so good at doing a lot... And that almost meant that he and Paqueta and even Suchek kept stepping on each other's toes. You know, what? What that West Ham midfield was never really balanced. They didn't have a, an anchor because Rice was was too progressive. He was, he was too good for the, the players around him until Paqueta got on that level. So he was carrying the ball through midfield and then there was no one behind him because Suchek is, is box to box and only plays football with his head. Uh, Paqueta was was working things up. I think if, you know, West Ham go out and, and get a real six and a, uh, a box-to-box midfielder, whatever it is, a, a, a met passing metronome, but just a, a trio that works with Paqueta as the man they build around, I actually think their midfield might look better than it did last season. Um, and yet they just drop Suchek, much as it pains me to say it, because I really like the guy when he arrived. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I just feel like they need someone who can take their players to another level. And I look at the the options they have, as you say, Socek. Four nows I like a lot. Um, Paqueta, Bowen's still going to be there next season. I think if they get a good left back in, it would be really good for that left-hand side to take that, that left flank up another level as well. Um, you know, They've got decent centre-halves as well and and a decent goalkeeper to replace Fabianski and Ariola as well. So I think that there's intrigue about that squad. There's potential in that squad. And I just, for me, I would like to see, I don't say like to see after the way they handled the rice thing. I'm not sure I want to see West Ham succeed as much. But well, you uh, get to see them get absolutely fleeced, that's for sure. Yeah, well, my mother-in-law's a West Ham fan, so there's always part of me that has to kind of just, you know, say, oh, yeah, great. I hope they do well <laughs> whenever I see them. Um, jumping into it, we'll, we'll, try, we'll tackle one uh, more. Uh, we'll go to Jaden, who says, I know we say we can't predict the budget of the transfer window, uh, but what do you guys think we need to spend and the amount of players we need to bring in to compete across all competitions? I don't think Arsenal need to get anyone else if injuries go well i mean mm. look there are there are a lot of numerically there are a lot of players and they're not at the moment they're they're, they're not letting smith road go reese nelson has has just in the last few hours put pen to paper on a on a new contract so i'm not really sure there's that much space i would really like to see them get a a, a top player to, to back up bakayo saka that's not very that's a lot easier said than done Anyone that Arsenal talk to knows that so long as Saka is in that team, they are never, ever, ever going to be the starter unless they, you know, a Kylian Mbappe. And even then, you know, um, I, would, <laughs> I, love I would love there to be, you know, for Arsenal to really have a go, that that second quality option on the right Um I actually think up front they're okay. Because uh, you've also got to be conscious of like, you know, maybe there's an up, uh, upgrade out there on, on Gabriel Jesus, but do you want to rush mm. to do that right now? Do you want to wait for next summer and use all of next summer's budget on a on a top-tier striker and utilise Jesus out, out wide and utilise them as a two? I don't necessarily think they need any more yeah. beyond that, that one winger. They just need to get lucky with injuries. Get remember, Do you remember when... I must have been the last time I was on here when we were mm. talking about... <laughs> that nonsense about Arsenal never having any injuries and then within the space of about two weeks. Uh, Sorry, guys. 
that was our fault. Yeah. Those party. Well, I think I think we were talking about the nonsense of it because it's like the season's not even over yet. Um, yeah, yeah. They need they need the squad to stay fit. It's the underrated part of City as well, and yeah. they're able to do that because Guardiola rotates and Riyad Mahrez and Foden and all those guys play sub two thousand minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need anything more than if we're assuming Timber and Timber and Rice. I think they could do it with this. I'd always like more quality, but it's more about luck now, I think, than quality. Yeah, the striker one's the one I, I look at. Not this summer, because I just don't think the options for the what Arsenal were looking to spend for the rest of this window is there. Um, I love Randall Colo Moani. I, I think he's brilliant. I, I really like him as a profile. Um, I have a soft spot for Gonzalo Ramos as well, Benfica, um, mainly because I spoke to him when he was about 18 and he looked so good then and now he's coming to fruition. But, you know, it's it's always good to see those ones. You you feel responsible <laughs> in some way. Like, I spoke to him before anyone else knew who he was. But, yeah, no. Uh, I think that either of those two would be interesting. And then Jesus can become, you know, a competitor to, to Saka, a rotational figure for Saka, or even on the left, because he is a winger playing striker. I've always said that about Jesus. That was what he feels like to me. Um, and I feel like he's got the potential to be a you know a rotational option. Very quickly, because you mentioned him and you did do the story on it, so you, it's a chance to give that a plug. What do you make of the Nelson contract? Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense uh, okay. for Arsenal. I just don't see him playing more than sort of 600 minutes all season mm. long in all competitions. I suppose the logic is that if you set time down, it's, it's not 100 grand might be 100 grand if certain bonuses get fulfilled but yeah. it's not you know if you time down you're at least giving yourself a chance to cash in on him or if he makes the leap because we all know the talent was there we remember you know he was more heralded than Saka for a long time and more heralded than Smith Rowe you're giving yourself a chance uh, and I, I frankly I don't actually love it that much for for Reese either mm-hmm. I think he should have made a clean break for his career um He's 20, is he 24 now? I haven't got the age yeah. in front of me. Yeah. You know, the within two years, he's not, I mean, he's not a young player anymore. Within two years, clubs look at him as a veteran and they go, we don't want to get give him his next contract. That's mm. the contract until he's 30. You know, these things mm. come up very quickly. So not a deal I love, to be frank. Um, but it's nice yeah. to keep keep guys like Reese around. He's a, he's a good egg. He's really like, he's grown up. A lot in the last few years. I think Arteta has been good for him, and um, mm. I hope to be proven wrong because I love it when guys from Colney make it, uh, make the grade. Yeah, I, I described it as nothing to lose for Arsenal, everything to lose for Nelson. This this contract, so he could cost himself a, a career potentially um, of playing regular football with this contract. If I was him, I would have left, taken my Arsenal hat off. I would have left, gone to. Brighton or West Ham or something and played every week. It's you know. Brighton. What are your odds of getting... I mean, this is true. Challenge, isn't it? What are your odds of getting game time? Yeah. I, it's I really, really hard to find the play right on time. the opposite to me tomorrow and see those two as a two-pound attack. So he is good and he had a really good season. I just feel like, you know, the technical the players that deserve he likes, maybe maybe Nelson would have been interesting in I his have hand. to say, I was the same as you, though. I was, like, texting people that no Reese going... Tell him to go to Brighton. Yeah. Because lovely. Like, <laughs> yeah, Brighton's have you, nice. Have you been to Hove lately? Come on, Reese. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it's a nice place to be uh, yeah very nice um james thank you so much for your time this evening gone a little bit longer than uh we originally were going to i appreciate that and uh yeah tell people where they can find you what you're going to be up to uh yeah um and uh, for now at least i'm on twitter at, at james benj um until your allocation runs out right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my refresh rate um <laughs> uh yeah nonsense on there uh, i don't do any of the the rest who knows that may change in the future, but um, I can't talk about that yet. Oh, you know, it's, it's almost like YouTube's a trendsetter now. Oh, you know, no, got, I'm not doing I'll jump in. We got, <laughs> going to join everyone on YouTube. That's what you're going to see it soon. Jones Bench uh, as a YouTube channel. <laughs> I mean, I, the one thing I'm thinking is my my ultimate team right now is looking it's looking fine. And I want to. I want. I want the people of the internet to see me wasting a time. gaming channel would be hilarious i'd Should love that you? yeah without a doubt without a doubt oh yeah i tell you what I, I i dipped back in for team of the season and for the shapeshifters stuff and um it's frankly ludicrous kind of the carding i remember i used to play on my team back in like 2000 and i think it was not nine when it came in um and you could like add cards to make your like i'd like a, a gillingham defender as a 99 rated player that's because that's what it started out as and you know, I always remember I got excited when I got an informed Wayne Rooney and then sold him for the normal price of Wayne Rooney because the card wasn't any different to the normal card back then. There was just both gold cards with a different rating. But now it's just silly, the cards you get. <laughs> it's, it's a silly game. Hey, look, my car walker goalkeeper is is doing me well. <laughs> is his speed like really good coming out it's from insane. like... It's yeah. And it's, I mean, he's like, he's like 94 rated outfield car yeah. walker just playing as a goalkeeper as well with goalkeeper stats. Um, because I am tempted by this gaming channel, even though I've told my partner uh, that this is it, <laughs> and I am, I am out on FIFA after this edition. I'm calling. Oh it yeah, I've, I've said that Glenn. before. I had like a three-year high. Look, mate, I got Hogwarts Legacy. I just got that this week. I want to play that instead. <laughs> I've been diving back into Fallout Four this week. It's been my thing. So. Uh, yeah, it's a great game. Um, thank you, everyone that's tuned in. Um, our gaming channel will be launching very soon. <laughs> if you want to hear more of this, um, we will see you, of course, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. As always, you can find James's stuff on Twitter at James Benj, and of course, uh, written work over at CBS uh, and some video work as well. Uh, so make sure you go and check uh, that stuff out. We'll see you again very soon. Have a fantastic evening. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Stay well. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.